Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everyone, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Howard, and today we have with us Monica Tanner, and I've been really, really excited for this. She's a marriage coach and has helped thousands of couples be able to find their happily ever after. That is what she has created. She's the CEO of The Secrets to Happily Ever After. So welcome, Monica. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. So excited to be here, Wanda. Yeah. So um, before we dive in completely to the business, I want to get a sense for who you are a little bit. So tell everybody um, a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Monica Tanner. I've been married for almost 21 years to a super hunky man who I'm more in love with today than I've ever been. We have four incredible children. Uh, One has left our home. He's graduated and moved on. And it's a crazy thing to have your first one leave home. Um, And that's left us with three pretty much teenagers, which is a little bit crazy at times, but we love it. We're just kind of in the thick of it. And um, I have been coaching couples for about five years. I've been podcasting. Uh, My podcast is called The Secrets of Happily Ever After, where I talk about um, the secrets of living happily ever after. And kind of how I stumbled upon that is my parents divorced when I was 12. And I feel like it was one of those totally avoidable divorces. Like they, there was no huge problems in their relationship. They just kind of gave up on it. Like they stopped trying and stopped wooing each other and stopped dating. And uh, I remember when I first got married, I was a little bit skeptical about happily ever after because I just hadn't seen it much. My parents divorced, my grandparents divorced. Most of my friends' parents have had either divorced or had kind of settled into this cadence of just sort of just doing life together, monotony, not like any passion or fun. And so I got married and I knew I wanted it to last forever. I just didn't know it was possible, but I wanted it to be so bad. So I started studying and learning and, and through, you know, big challenges that my husband and I faced, we, I just kind of wrote, started figuring out these frameworks of how to keep the passion alive and, you know, keep, you know, putting effort into your marriage. And so I love coming on, especially parenting podcasts, because I think one of the best gifts you could ever give your children is a is not only the blueprint, but also permission to live happily ever after, meaning keep that passion and fun and playful, pleasurable energy alive in your marriage till the very end. So um, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. Oh, this is so good. I I totally agree too. The best gifts that we could give our kids is that rock and that foundation of what a healthy dynamic um, relationship looks like. So this is going to be so fun. Um, And holy cow, your parents divorced and that being like the thing of like, okay, is this even real? Is this even possible? Um, So what was that like for you at the very beginning when you and your husband um, first got married and dating and everything? What was that journey like? 
Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, I had some abandonment issues and I had some kind of my coping mechanism I developed when I was, you know, young and my parents had divorced and, you know, you introduce step parents into the mix. And so I kind of developed this, I have to be perfect to uh, kind of get love. And so I did everything perfect. I was the perfect student. I was the perfect athlete. I was, you know, I just worked really hard because, you know, when you're single and you're growing up, you can control a lot of factors about how you perform. And what happened was I got married and I started having kids and I had like the first kid and the second kid and the third kid. And we had this really successful business that I was very involved in. And of course I couldn't be perfect. It was like life slowing me down and saying, you can't control all the things here and you can't be perfect. And so I went into like a very deep depression, kind of anxious state where I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't be perfect. I can't be the perfect mom and the perfect housewife and the perfect business owner and the perfect friend and member of the community. And like, I just, I couldn't do it. And so I was like paralyzed with fear and anxiety and so much so that my husband sent me home to my mom um, to kind of, cause I was really hard to live with. I couldn't take care of myself or my children or anything. And um, kind of through that whole process, process, I kind of faced my fears and dealt with the reality that life is messy and it's not going to be perfect. And I don't have to earn my love by showing up perfectly and by like giving myself a lot of grace and facing the reality that it doesn't have to be perfect to be amazing. You know, I think that's a kind of a a cheesy quote that people say, but it really doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And once I started embracing all of that and just being the best me I could be and asking for help when I needed it, um, we started to heal all of that. So, yeah. And I think right now, perfection is very much linked to your happily ever after. Happily ever after looks perfect. So, what talk us through that a little bit. What does happily ever after really mean? And how do people start like visually? Uh, what's the word? envisioning that in their own life. Yeah. So I think happily ever after is truly developing this intimate friendship where you realize that life isn't perfect, but the two of you are doing it imperfectly together. So I always say I help my clients, uh, the, the students and people that I work with develop an intimate friendship and a passionate partnership. And I recently just saw that and I I posted it on social media because I loved it so much. It's, It's not avoiding the storms. It's when two people share an umbrella. So it's like, you know that each other isn't perfect. You know that you're not going to be, you know, at full capacity all the time, but it's like, you choose each other anyway. It's like you have each other's back. You're supporting each other's dreams. You communicate so that you can collaborate together to get through all the things. So that's really what happily ever after looks like. It's two people who have been able to become the very best version of themselves with each other, right? Like with each other through the thick and thin of life. Yeah. And that's so much more hopeful because just like you said, when you try to be that like perfect in everything, it wears you out. It it takes everything out of you and life doesn't work out at all anymore. So And you can't do it anyway. So it's kind of futile, right? So it's kind of like give up and just accept what is and just 
be the best you can be. And when you can't be the best, you, you know, when you're not feeling your best, ask for help. That's where intimacy is forged. It's in those moments where you just can't anymore and you talk about it and you pick up the slack for each other. Those are like those really awesome. I mean, that's when it's, you need your friends, right? Yeah, definitely. So um, I have a few questions, but first, how did this affect like your relationship with your kids when you're going through this phase of you went back to your mom and I'm sure that was like a lot of guilt for you, but also just as a mom, you're wanting to take care of your kids and not feeling like you could do that. What was that whole um, aspect like for you? Yeah. So it was, I mean, obviously it was super challenging for everyone. I mean, for me, it was like my biggest fear was not being able to be there for my kids. Uh, It was hard for my husband because he didn't know what was wrong or how to help. And I'm sure that my older kids remember when mom had a really hard time. And I'm grateful for all of those experiences because I know my kids are going to experience similar struggles, right? I mean, they're my kids for a reason. And I know that my my mother experienced the challenges that she did in her life. And while it was hard on me growing up, she was there for me when I needed her most. And so I know, I mean, those experiences are something I talk to my kids about. Like when life gets really hard, you've got to ask for help. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do it all yourself. This is why you have a partner in life. This is why you have, you know, you cultivate those friendships, right? And so hopefully when my children get to the point where life gets really hard and they need someone to walk them through, you know, some really difficult obstacle, I'll be there and I'll be able to say, oh, I, I've been here, right? I can help you with this. And what a precious gift too, that your mom, like she could have internalized your pain of, oh, how could you be beat up? Like I went through this divorce for my own reasons. It had nothing to do with you, but she, the fact that she was very aware of like, this is affecting you too. And of course you can come and stay with me and I'll help you out. Like that is exactly what you're talking about, right? Where you're sharing the umbrella together. You're not, not avoiding the conflict or the, the pain in that. Oh, yes. Well, my mom is a very, very wise woman. I mean, she has her PhD. She's been counseling, you know, individuals and couples for, you know, my whole life. Uh, But, but the, her wisdom comes not just from her study, but from her life experience. And if we'll all just kind of remember that, that, that your whiz, I mean, your knowledge comes from the things that you study and learn. And I love to read and listen to podcasts and go to, you know, all kinds of things to enrich myself, but that knowledge will only take you so far. It's your life experience that gives you that wisdom that you can then pass that wisdom on to the, your, you know, your children and, grandchildren and the people around you, right? So I wouldn't shy away from challenges. I mean, I don't wish them on anyone, but they truly do give you a lot of wisdom and strength. And you get to learn about your own strength as you're going through those challenges. Yeah, definitely. So what is something that you do to help your kids um, go through that and gain that wisdom? Because I know that's one of the most frustrating things as a parent, you want all of your knowledge to be inside your kid's head. And if not, they need to learn it all for themselves. So what's something that you do to keep your own sanity and also help your kids get the information that they need? 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the most important things I've learned is to allow my children to struggle. I think as moms, we love our kids and we want to take all the hard things away from them, right? Like we know exactly what to do. We know how to fix it, you know, but I think it's good for kids to struggle. I think it's good for, I mean, I have two teenage girls right now. And so, I mean, the friend drama is just, you know, over the top. (laughs) But I think it's so important to let them experience those things to, you know, you talk with them and you counsel with them and you're there for them. I mean, sometimes my girls like to talk to me and sometimes they don't. Right. But I just, you know, I'm there for them, but I don't ever like take it away or tell them what to do or, or think that I know better than they do. Right. I think one of the most valuable phrases that I've ever, you know, learned or been able to, to say to them is, yeah, being a teenager is hard, right? Being in school is hard. Like those are hard things that you're experiencing, but you can do it, right? It's like, you'll, you'll figure it out. You know what to do. Like those types of encouragements. I feel like my job more now that they're a little bit older is to just witness their life, not to guide it. I mean, to gently guide it and direct it, but more to just witness it and let them live their own journeys. They're going to experience heartbreak. They're going to, you know, get themselves in some binds, you know, they're going to make some difficult decisions that I wouldn't wish for them, but it'll make them stronger. It's like, I can look back on my life and be like, I'm so grateful that my parents kind of trusted me to get through the things. And so if we can show our kids that we, we know that they're strong, we know that they're resilient, we know that they're loved and just let them live their journey and just love them. Yeah, that's beautiful. And especially like after they get through those hard moments, it only boosts their own confidence and capacity to like, oh, I can do the next thing. Um, yeah, like, look how strong you are, right? Like, you totally rocked that, right? It was hard, but you did it. Like, yeah, just don't, don't take those hard moments away from them. Definitely. <laughs> the, just the other day, so my my son learned how to ride a bike. And he was frustrated and he kept falling down and, and I wouldn't even give him a push. I wouldn't hold on to his back at all. I'm like, nope, it's not going to help you if I help. And so, and I could see his like little mind struggling and frustrated at times. But as he went through that, it was so cute that at the very end, as soon as he finally like was pedaled and went down the whole road and um, his eyes lit up big and he's like, mom, I really can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> That pride is so awesome. I love it. I feel like the hallmarks of young motherhood are that physical, like those physical milestones and it's just physically exhausting. And as they grow, it's just emotionally, it's like, there's so much you put in emotionally to them, but yes, definitely. And so walk us through a little bit now. Um, You're having this business, you have your coaching clients, you have a lot of different Uh, plates and hats to juggle around. So um, what has helped you to be able to find that balance, to be able to find that fulfillment? Because right now it seems like the world is telling us a whole bunch of shoulds that we should be doing right now. And so how, how do you in your family specifically balance things? 
I think it's really important that life goes in seasons and to honor the seasons of your life. And you don't have to particularly love all the seasons or even be good at all the seasons, right? Like I remember, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, we built our business together and I was very involved. And as I kept having more children, I was like going a little more crazy. And by the time I had three babies, like one nursing and a crazy toddler and a preschooler that was jumping off of my furniture, I had to say, I I can't be involved in the business anymore, right? Like I have, this is a full-time job here. And just to honor those feelings instead of like, you know, trying to power through to realize that life goes in seasons and we can't be all things to all people in all the seasons. And just to keep those lines of communication open with your partner. Like I was amazed. My husband knew exactly what to do. He hired an accountant and a bookkeeper and, you know, we, we phased out and I'm barely involved in his business at all anymore more just a listening ear really um and so and and he's the same for me in my business now i'm doing something that i love that i'm passionate about that lights me up makes me a better wife and a better mother um and he doesn't necessarily get into my business but he's definitely a listening ear and so it's just important to remember that there are pushes in life and there are seasons and if you'll just keep communicating and honoring you know, what you can do, your limitations, your weaknesses, and your strengths, um, you'll get through them. Yeah. And one of the biggest things I'm hearing is, as you're describing that, it's not, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. The structure itself or the activities you're engaged in isn't the point. It's the communication as you phase in and out through whatever dynamics you choose to have in your life. Is that right? Yeah, there's no one right way to do it. You'll never, I mean, if you're yeah. looking for the right way, you're never going to find it. It's it's collaborating and cooperating and communicating and figuring out what works for the two of you. Yeah, exactly. So good. So how have you seen this impacting, like, what are the changes that you've witnessed in your own kids as your marriage has gotten better and as you guys were able to communicate, like, what, what were they like before? Explain a little bit of what was happening for them and what are they like now that your marriage has improved? Yeah, that's really interesting. It's hard to see it in your own marriage. I mean, I think my kids are phenomenal and I think they're great and, um, you know, all of that. But I can definitely talk to, you know, I've had clients who when they are that when they're particularly it's easier for me to see it in other people's lives yeah, um, what, is what I'm saying than in my own <laughs> but I um as I've worked with clients you know they've told me that they feel very disconnected from their partner that they're not really doing date nights and they're not really connecting and communicating and all those things and their kids are misbehaving right it's like you know they'll come to me and basically what they'll say is you know, our kids are are so exhausting. By the end of the day, I'm, you know, exhausted and I don't have any energy left for my spouse. And, you know, we don't, we don't do date nights. We don't spend time together. We're not intimate with each other because we're so exhausted at the end of the day from dealing with our kids and our life and all the things, right? What's really interesting is when they start to invest in the marriage, when they start connecting daily and when they start going on those, those date nights weekly, they start to see their kids behaving better. And it's because as these kids, they've got these internal, they track things, right? And so when they know mom and dad's life is hectic and crazy, they don't know how to get their parents' attention. and, And they feel nervous and anxious that, you know, 
what if mom and dad break up and you know they they what what if mom and dad don't love each other maybe they don't love us you know they it, it's very um disorienting for children when their when their parents aren't securely attached to each other and so it's really cool to see what happens when they start investing in the marriage first the kids feel calmer more connected more relaxed that everything is right with the world yeah, even I think, at a very young age. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's kind of interesting, just like you t- mentioned earlier, how as moms, it's so easy to want to jump in and fix things for our kids. And we have to actively learn to let them experience life. I've kind of noticed that same dynamic. And I want to know your thoughts on it. But like um, kids, when they see their parents struggling, it's kind of in internally, they're like, okay, bring the attention on me. Don't worry about you guys. And they like, purposely act out or do things just to bring the attention to them so that there isn't such a big void that they see between their parents. And, and it, it kind of feels like that same thing. Is that kind of what you've experienced? That's really insightful. I mean, it's true. It's, it's kids get really nervous. Like I don't, they, they don't feel this calming firm foundation of, of the kind of the family structure. And so they do, they're like, it's dysregulating for them. Um, and so I think when they feel like mom and dad love each other and all is well, it, it's kind of like they map their own love through the love they see in their parents. Yeah. And so I do think that's a real thing. And the, the other thing I think is really important is when, ch- uh, so uh, like a big concept is, is the trust in a marriage, right? When, when it, a mom and dad love and trust each other, then their marriage is really, really strong. And kids learn to trust as well. And part of that trust is actually leaving your kids with a a babysitter or with grandparents or something like that to have that parental time. It's like the parents trust that the kids will be okay with another adult taking care of them. And then kids learn to trust other adults and to know that they're going to be loved no matter what. And so I always recommend going out on a weekly date night and going on biannual trips together, even if it's just for the weekend let your kids know that your relationship is so important and that we can trust other adults and other people to take care of our children. Yeah, definitely. And I know, I know that there's going to be kickback with um, going on a weekly date night. And for me personally, I've seen lots of different benefits and lots of different ways about like going every week, every other week, and people find their own structures that work for them. But for the specifically for your people and the people listening to this podcast, um, what are some of the kickbacks or the, the frustrations that people have? Or like, seriously, like every week, what are, what are we supposed to do every single week? So what, what's that like? Yeah. You know, I, I've pro- at this point, I've heard every excuse, right? <laughs> go out on weekly dates. We, we can't afford it. Uh, we can't find a babysitter. We you know, our kids are special needs. I mean, I've heard all the different things. The truth is, is you just, there are times in life where you just have to get really creative about it. So you can maybe go out every other week and have a at home date night every other week. Uh, we've in our life, we've, uh, 
created like friend groups, date, you know, like date clubs or whatever, where, you know, we get together with other couples and we'll watch all the kids one weekend of the month and then, you know, take turns. And it's chaotic on your, you know, week we'll have like eight young children, like asleep (laughs) on the living room floor or watching a movie or whatever. But then we get three date nights during the week. So, or during the month. So, you know, there's all different types of things you can do to get creative about finances, about time or energy. But the idea of it is that you're investing in making memories and reconnecting every single week. And yes, I do believe that it should be every single week. Now, they don't have to be expensive, elaborate, or far from home to be very, very effective, right? Um, I, In fact, I, for your listeners, I'm happy to, um, I have 102 free or cheap date night ideas. Um, So I'm happy to, yeah, offer that as a download for people who are listening. But there's so many things that you can do to just get creative, you know, put a movie on downstairs and just lock yourselves in your room, order some takeout or, you know, have a picnic on your bed, whatever it is that you have to do, but you should be spending three hours every single week where you don't talk about the kids. You don't talk about the business. You don't talk about the finances. You don't talk about the schedule. You just like channel that playful, pleasurable, fun, you know, young energy when you were falling in love and you were so enamored and hanging on each other's every words, it should be distraction free. And you're just making memories and falling back in love with each other. That's so pretty. I love the idea of um, no talking about everything. But at the same time, I've also seen there's, there's a lot of good in talking about other things. So um, I just want to clarify for people listening. You're not saying don't talk about kids ever. You're not saying don't talk about business ever. It's just for three hours or for a certain amount of time to be able, can you actually enjoy each other's company where it's just about each other? Can you actually reignite those feelings? Correct? Exactly. You should be having you should be having chats about the kids and chats about finances. Those are all very important conversations to have ongoing. But yes, for three hours each week, you should not focus on those things and just focus on each other, like get to know each other. What's your experience like? Like, what's it? I mean, and I'm not saying don't even bring up the kids, but you know, what's it like for you having three young children every day? You know, like, what are you learning about yourself? What's really stressful for you? Like, you know, how can I make your life easier? It's those types of things. You should be connecting daily on those types of things so that date night can just be like super fun. But if you're not, you know, if you're not all caught up on those things, you can definitely chat, but you just want to get to know your partner better in those three hours. Definitely. One thing that I've seen um, help, like me and my husband, we're very different in just everything. We're like polar opposites. And um, one of the things that I've noticed is his attention span is very short. So if we have, if we have like a specific activity, it's very helpful to like keep his mind there. But also um, for me, I love learning new things. I love being like going out and doing a fun game is not going to be near as exciting to me as going to a class or like an art class or, you know, some type of a class. And so we like for our date nights, even if they're at home, if we do them in the car, if we go to a place where they're actually holding like an in-person event, 
like classes are something that we love. We love the, even if it's a free YouTube video or something, we love yeah. learning. And so I think that's one thing that um, this idea of having fun together, reigniting, like finding what you love, finding what fills you up, finding those things is so, is so powerful. So good. Um, so one more thing that I want to ask is, for all of the listeners who right now they're like, okay, this sounds awesome. And we love everything that you're saying, but right now they just feel like it's too hard. And where do you even get started? And how do you pick up all the pieces now that everything, it just feels tough. What, what would be your advice to them? What's one thing that they can start doing that's simple and attainable? Yeah, I would uh, honestly say that the very first thing I would start with is weekly date nights. And I would say, plan them in advance, put them on your calendar. We have a rule. Date nights can shift around, you know, things come up, but they cannot be erased once a week, three hours. And if you are, if you're the one listening to this podcast, you plan the dates. Don't expect your partner to do it. You plan it, get a little bit creative, look into resources like the one I'm telling you about doesn't have to be expensive. Like I said, but put it on the calendar, build anticipation, right? Text your partner and say, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for what I planned for Friday night. Get ready. It's going to be awesome. You're connecting emotionally, you're connecting physically, and you're connecting sexually once a week. That's all I'm saying, right? Now, you should... now. Together with that, you should be connecting for 20 minutes every single day. You should be checking in with each other. You're friends, right? If you're friends, then you invest in that friendship. You invest in each other's experiences. You invest in ways that you can love and support, protect each other from the world, right? And you've got to put time and energy into that or else it dies. It fizzles out it withers away. So just think I'm scheduling fun. You're okay. just, you're putting fun and play and time together on the calendar. That's what you're doing. So be sure that you're putting it on the calendar in pen. You're planning it out. You're looking forward to it. You're building anticipation for it. You're making arrangements for it so that you don't pull out of the driveway and go, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And then you get an argument because no, nothing is planned, right? So what I'm telling you to do is make it a ritual every single weekend, or some people do it on a, like a Wednesday night. It doesn't matter when you do it. Or some people do it like on a Monday afternoon for lunch or something, right? But spend three hours together doing something fun and connecting and playful together. Uh, so good. Thank you so much. And I think that is a beautiful reminder too of that part where you said, don't wait for the other person to plan it. Like if you're wanting it and you're the one listening, go and plan it, go and figure it out. So that is a huge resource that you have, are letting everybody be able to download. So we will definitely put that list in the show notes so that everybody can download those. How many did, did you say it was? It's 102 cheap or free date nights. That's incredible. That's a lot of date nights right there. And even <laughs> if you just kind of did like a Russian roulette thing where you just pick one random of those, that would be incredible. You'd have dates for several years planned. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's two years worth of dates yeah. right there on one piece of paper, right? 
Um, but also I, I do have a membership and it's, it's uh, $27 a month and it includes a lot of things for your relationship. But one of the things it does include is planning your date night. So if you're just like, I'm too busy, I'm not creative, you know, I'm kind of in a funk. There's hundreds of ways. There's hundreds of services. There's hundreds of things that you can do. If it's important to you, you'll find a way, right? So there's people like me who geek out, love to plan fun date nights, right? So if you have to do it for a little while, just be like, I'm going to have somebody else do this so that it doesn't stress me out. And then we're just going to go play, right? So find a way. There's there's always a way. Yeah. So definitely tell everybody the best way to find you so that they can be a part of that membership. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So the easiest way to find me is on my website, just monicatanner.com. It's just my name. And then I podcast weekly secrets of happily ever after. So you can get lots of information about relationships, living happily ever after, and all the things that are, that interest you about your relationship there. Well, awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening. You're all amazing. And remember again, when you can be good partners for each other, that really does help you become the parents and the examples that you want your kids to have in their own relationship. So thank you, Monica. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to WandaHoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.